0: I want to talk about a little bit this morning. Um, It is a chapter that's full of encounters with Jesus. uh, And it's an enjoyable read in and of itself, but it's here in Scripture not merely to observe someone else encountering Jesus, but through it to encounter Jesus ourselves. And so we're going to take time to just talk about these stories uh, relatively briefly this, this Easter morning, but to... Talk about these stories so that we ourselves might encounter the risen Savior as well. So let's pray. Ask God's blessing on our time that we might see Him and know Him. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for this amazing, true story and all that it means. Thank You that You crafted the telling of the story in such a way that it would maximize its impact on us even today, even here in Haverhill, Massachusetts. And I ask this morning, Lord, for for all of us, that none of us would go away from here um, unaffected by the truth of your resurrection. There's more to it than we know. And so there's much for us to learn and much for us to be changed by. So help me and help us to encounter you this morning, we pray. Amen. I just want to move through the story. And and you've heard about the two on the road to Emmaus. uh, Cleopas and his friend friend is never named, but there are more people in the story as well. And there are three different things I think that happen to all of them. They are all surprised by the resurrected Christ. They are all enlightened by the resurrected Christ. And they are all transformed by the resurrected Christ. And really, this is here to teach us that we as well might be surprised, enlightened, and transformed. So let's just walk through those three aspects. So, surprised. Early on in the story, the women go to the tomb. And they're expecting uh, to find the tomb with the, the stone in front of it and they need someone to roll it away and they're going to finish the preparations for Jesus' uh, burial. Uh, and they come there and the, tom- the stone has been rolled away. Um, and they are perplexed by that. They didn't expect that. They didn't expect to see the stone rolled away. Uh, and, and so they, they come and then not only do they see that the stone is rolled away, but behold, it says, uh, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and as they were frightened and, and, uh, and as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, they, they see these two glorious angels that are there, and they're frightened, and they bow their faces to the ground. They're not expecting the tomb to be empty, and they're certainly not expecting two glorious angels to be there as well. Later on in the story, we see Peter. They report to the disciples and Peter goes, he runs to the tomb. He, it says in verse 12, stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves. So the linen clothes were put by themselves off on the side, and he went home marveling at what had happened. He was marveling. What's going on? The tomb is empty, as they said, and the, and the clothes are there. What has happened here? Then we, of course, meet the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and that's just a wonderful story. And they are not expecting to encounter the risen Christ either. And, and just the way it happens, it's, it's almost humorous. Uh, Jesus walks along and joins them and, and asks them what they've been talking about. And, and uh, they say, are you the only visitor who doesn't know these things? And he says, what things? And, um, and it's, it's humorous, but I don't think it's... Uh, the point is the humor. Jesus is trying to bring them to... To encounter what's gone on, to think about what has gone on. And, And they are, actually, not until later, as we saw in the skit, they are surprised when they see Jesus in the breaking of the bread. They're amazed. So each of these characters are surprised by the resurrected Christ. And then finally, the apostles themselves. At the end of the story, the end of the chapter, Jesus appears. It says, uh, as they were talking about these things, about what had been going on, what they were hearing, Jesus Himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. They thought they saw a ghost. And He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? So from beginning to end in this chapter, all the people in the story are surprised by the resurrected Christ. And, and so why, why is this here? And what are we supposed to think? Or is it merely just to say you know, what a bunch of dummies? They should have known better? No, I think there's, there's lessons in their surprise. There's, there's a number of lessons. I think first, we ought to be surprised by the resurrected Christ. It is not a, a normal thing. And the danger we're in, in in our Christianized culture in many ways is we've heard the story so many times, it's like been there, done that. I've, I've done the Easter thing. Yeah, the risen Christ. This is the resurrected Christ! This is God in the flesh dying for sins and rising again. You don't just kind of say, been there, done that with the resurrected Christ. He's conquered sin and death. He's been raised from the dead alive forevermore. There's no other person who has been resurrected like Christ. And so we should be surprised and the story should shock us and get us to think, what does this mean? And, and to have the same, the same degree of surprise. Um, also, I think there's a lesson in it that they're surprised and yet they, they don't get the storyline. They're surprised in a sense, like, whoa, I, we didn't expect this. And part of the, the storyline is they should have expected it, it, given what Jesus had been teaching them, given what the scriptures had said. And so. Christ wants to bring them into that reality. So again and again, every character here is surprised, but then every character is also enlightened by the resurrected Christ. He teaches them. Uh, he or the angels teach them, remind them about the truth of his resurrection. There's, there's teaching to it, it isn't just the shock of, of seeing someone who was dead now alive. in in a new glorious body as well, it's not just the shock of that, but it's the meaning of that. And so, each character is instructed, is enlightened. The angels say to the women, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how He told you while He was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must... And of course, in the latter part of the New Testament. And really, uh, as we were meeting with the men on Saturday, we talked about the story we're in the book of Acts with the men's breakfast, the men's Bible study, and we were just talking about how this story continues and we're part of the story now. So the impact of of His death and resurrection and what they were to understand about it, it not only impacted them, but it impacts all Christians through the centuries and through us we are to impact the whole world. This reality, the death and resurrection of Christ are the God-ordained central and essential truths of really all History. And everything is grounded upon this truth of His death and resurrection. Everything points forward to it in the Old Testament. Everything points from it in the New Testament. And really, all of history is the same way for when He comes again to make make all things new, we're going to forever celebrate what He did in His death and resurrection and all that came with it. It is necessary that He die and rise again. Of course, we... You see that in this story, what God is doing is He's reconciling people, sinful people, rebels like you and me, people who would choose to have nothing to do with this story or, or treat it just as kind of sentimental religious stuff. Um, he has sought after us and pursued us uh, so that we might be reconciled to Him. And so the sending of His Son in, in and of itself was, was a rescue mission for us. God didn't have to enter into humanity. He could have stayed distant. He could have stayed out of the story, but He enters into the story. And enters into the story in the most profound way. Becomes the central character in the story of humanity. And in His humanity, He takes upon Himself suffering. He takes upon Himself the the things that we experience as humans and takes them upon Himself in an ultimate way in His death on the cross. He suffers beyond any other suffering ever experienced by any human. And He bears in Himself on the cross Our sins. All the sins. Of all the people who ever would put their trust in Him. Billions and billions of people and all that sin put on Him, He becomes sin Himself on the cross. It's hard to understand how that could ever happen. This is God in His infinite purity and holiness and goodness in the flesh taking upon Himself sin on the cross. It was necessary that he die that he go to the cross that he bear our sins for on that cross he paid for our sins he paid the price see god is good and holy he's just he's perfect he's flawless he's never sinned there's not any shade of darkness in him only goodness all the time and yet in his great love for us he had to deal with the problem of our sin because in his goodness he must be just he must respond to sin he must bring a just response to sin. And the wages of sin, this is the just response, is death. Spiritual death. Separation from God. And should that penalty be carried out to its fullness, it's an eternity of death and separation from God. There's nothing worse for any human. And yet in His great love for us, He did not want to leave us there, so He entered into our humanity, took on flesh, lived among us, offered up this righteous life on the cross, died in our place for our sins. He said on that cross, it is finished. That word is somewhat hard to translate into English. It it carries more than like it is finished. It it carries with it this meaning of it stands forever done. The payment is finished on the cross for, for us and our sins are paid for. And through Christ, we can be reconciled to God. So it is necessary that He die. Because God has loved us with an everlasting love and He wants us to belong to Him and be reconciled through Christ to Him. And so Paul can say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in Christ God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. John chapter one, verse 12 says, uh, to those who believed in Him, to those who received him, to those who believed in His name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so this good news gets offered to us in, in, in his, the truth of his death for us on the cross, that we might believe and receive it. Not only believing that it's true, but receiving it as our own. And that's what's going on in chapter 24 of Luke. Jesus is instructing them in what's going on that it was necessary that I die and rise again. And that goes with the whole story, the essential aspects of the truth of the Gospel story of Jesus' life and death and ministry. He had to rise again as well. Because His resurrection is the sign of the completion of the work and the victory over sin and death. And so His resurrection is our resurrection. When we put our faith in Christ, He takes on our sins, He dies our death for us that we might live His life with Him. And the day and the moment that you trust in Christ, you begin eternal life. And you begin to experience resurrected life. And that, that life will continue forever. Though our bodies may die, our spirits will ever be alive in His presence and then one day we'll have restored bodies in a new creation so it is necessary it is essential part of the story and in the storyline that's what's being taught they must know that it's not enough just to be surprised by the resurrection you need to be enlightened by the resurrection you do need to be enlightened by the resurrected christ and understand these essential truths his death is for sin his resurrection is for victory over sin and death so that we might have life eternal in him and of course in the storyline the result is that they are transformed by the resurrected Christ. Not only enlightened, not only surprised, not only enlightened, but transformed. For it must fall. If we really grasp what went on, if we really grasp the, the gravity of, of the resurrected Christ and the surprise that comes with that, and if we really grasp the, the truth, the enlightenment that comes and what His death and resurrection mean, then it, it must follow that there's transformation. And of course, in the story, we see that. We see, especially at the end of the story, the end of chapter 24, Jesus says, You are witnesses of these things. What's going on? My death and resurrection. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. So the Spirit is going to be put on them. So that they're empowered in this. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And he's taken to heaven to reign over his church and over the world to finish the work. And then the last two verses, and then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And were continually in the temple blessing God. So these people, their lives are transformed by this reality. So they encounter the risen Christ, they're surprised, they're enlightened, and they're transformed by the risen Christ. That necessarily follows. And if you know the storyline, we see it in Scripture and we can read about it in history. The whole crew was transformed. And they gave up their careers and their comforts To sacrifice them to follow Jesus and to make Him known. And for most, if not all, of the apostles it meant dying for their faith. So we have to see in the story something really has happened, right? They're afraid. They're bewildered in the beginning. But as they fall through with the reality of that, they're going to be bold witnesses. Unafraid. Willing to die for this story, for this truth, for this reality. You see, when you get this, when we get this story, when we understand it, not only being surprised, but enlightened, but then transformed, it makes us fearless. How does it do that? My very, very worst problem that I could ever face is to have to stand before a holy and just God and give account for my sin. There's a death Fate worse than death. It's eternal spiritual death. And Christ, in His great love for me and His great love for you, if you believe, has taken care of that problem. He died my death already. There's no death for you or for me in Christ. Only life eternal. And we needn't worry about this life. Yes, certainly there are things He calls us to attend to. And we're to live out our lives in real concrete ways. I'm not saying be spiritual and just forget about that. But you can live amidst all the things that you do, amidst all the normal things and any extraordinary thing He might call you to, fearlessly because He has already died and been raised from the dead. And He lives eternally and we live eternally in Him. And so we can be bold and fearless in our lives. Free of our sin, free of the guilt of sin, knowing that in Christ we're reconciled to God. We're counted as sons and daughters. We belong to Him and we can live with Him forever. This is what this story is about. Being surprised, being enlightened, and being transformed not only for them, but for us. So as I conclude and call the band up, let me ask, how about you? How about you? Are you surprised by the resurrected Christ? Do you get just how radical this is? This is a man who was dead. Now alive forevermore. Resurrected. There's no one like him in his resurrection. He's alive. Are you surprised by the resurrected Christ? Are you enlightened by the resurrected Christ? Have you considered the truth that's with this? That's Behind this. That's part of this. That All the things we celebrate today are ultimately behind all these things. The most important thing is what this means. His death for our sins. His resurrection for our our eternal life. Are you enlightened? And is that truth affecting your life? Finally, are you transformed by the resurrected Christ? If He did indeed rise from the dead, if we understand this truth, then we must receive it. And when we receive it, it must transform us. And it makes us fearless in Him. It makes us know that we're safe and secure. It transforms us and empowers us to love boldly, to live differently. To receive this truth is to begin a life following the risen Christ that's unlike any other life you could ever know. How about you? Really, there is no other alternative. This story does not leave any alternative than to be surprised and enlightened and transformed. How about you? Christ has risen. He has risen indeed.